So Money Episode 760, Marissa Evans Alden, co-founder of Sawyer. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Ever tried to enroll your child in like an art class or soccer camp only to find out that it's completely full? Or maybe you just found out about a great swim program right by your house, but wish you'd known about it years before. Today's guest is an entrepreneur who noticed this particular parent pain point, and she's on a mission to fix it and help make parents' lives a little bit easier and help make kids' lives more fun. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Today, we're welcoming Marissa Evans Alden to the show. She is a former Rent the Runway executive and now the co-founder of a website and mobile app called Sawyer. Sawyer is a marketplace for children's activities and adventures, and it's currently available in the New York, Chicago, and LA metro areas, but soon to a neighborhood near you. Full disclosure, my husband, Tim, joined the Sawyer team earlier this year as a developer, but even before he began working there, he and I were fans of the site as two busy parents who are constantly trying to take advantage of what the city has in store for kids, and also so that we can keep them occupied, if you know what I mean, parents. Marissa takes us through her journey of entrepreneurship, how she impressively raised investment dollars while pregnant, and advice for those of us contemplating leaving our jobs to dive into a business of our own. And lest you think Sawyer is child's play, the company has raised millions of dollars to date. Here to tell us all about it is Marissa Evans Alden. Marissa Evans Alden, welcome to So Money. I'm so excited to finally connect with one of the brains, the geniuses, the minds behind Sawyer, which is something that we use all the time in our house. Thank you so much for developing this service. But first, just welcome to the show. How are you? Good. And I'm so happy to be here. Excited to to get this opportunity. For those people listening, I think we're all familiar with Open Table, right? It's this website that you go on and you can book your dinner reservations or your lunch reservations and you can pick by your geography, your time of week, your date. It's really convenient and obviously I don't have to tell you how successful Open Table is. Sawyer, if I may, is <laughs> like that, but for children's educational activities and camps and events. And so for us, we have two kids. We've been using Sawyer before it was even called Sawyer. You guys have rebranded a little bit since we first started using you, but we were desperate. We needed stuff to do with our kids on days where they didn't have school or uh, perhaps it was a Saturday and we had, didn't know what to do because it was raining and we would go on Sawyer and there was like this menu of stuff that we could sign up to do depending on what part of the neighborhood we wanted to go to, the time of day, the age of our child, the interests that he or she had. So I just want to say thank you for making this company come to life. <laughs> and um, it's no secret that I'm sure this is probably something that you needed in your life too, right? Yes, uh, definitely. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think once you experience 
the pain of this issue as a parent, it, it becomes very obvious that there's something there's something missing in this space. But more than just creating a menu for parents to pick from of activities for their kids, really what I believe the business is building towards is like a white label payment, billing and scheduling software, kind of like mind body, but for kid stuff. Yeah, that's that's very that's very much spot on. I mean, for us, the whole the whole genesis of this idea and the business came about because when we when we were thinking about honestly the future and our children, um, there's an amazing stat that says one in five of today's elementary school students are going to have a job that exists today when they graduate. So when you think about that, that means like we can't even imagine the type of jobs our kids are going to have, which is crazy and and a little scary, (laughs) honestly. And, you know, you think about the job of school and you kind of think, God, like, is school doing a good job? And, and, you know, it's not that it's not doing a good job, um, but we felt like there were all these other kind of extracurricular opportunities that kids get exposed to that ultimately are starting to help prepare them for the future. And accessing that stuff has has been a challenge for parents for many years. It is a highly fragmented market. It's very offline. Um, it's very much dominated by like checks and pen and paper and forms and in a world in which, you know, all of us are so comfortable on our phones, we look to, you know, the phone for ordering a car, or ordering dinner, as you mentioned. Why is finding a husband something? Yes. Yeah, finding a date. Exactly. <laughs> Why is education that's like super important for us so challenging? And so ultimately we said we want to bring technology to this industry because we think this industry matters a ton and us as, as modern parents know that it can be easier. And so, yes, the software is the kind of core foundation to this business. Um, and then the marketplace, making it easy for parents, as you mentioned, the menu to find and book classes is really the, the future vision of, of where we want to go. I also love that your business is supporting Family businesses, a lot of these um, businesses and these camps and these schools and these children-focused services, they're run by small business owners, a lot of times um, individuals. They're not these massive or co- corporations. And so that's why maybe they don't have a, ro- a robust website or they don't have systems in place and they're a little, they seem a little scattered. But I feel like you're also, what your business is doing in essence is giving these businesses um, a break, you know, in some way. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, we are, our providers are honestly like, we like, we call them like, they're the entrepreneurs of this country. You know, they're the ones that started a company. They're running their, their, um, you know, they're running their business because this is a dream. It was a passion. I mean, there, this is education for kids, right? Like you don't get into that because you're trying to make millions and millions of dollars necessarily. It's, it's because you are, totally passionate about spreading education. And by doing this, they are supporting their families. Oftentimes, actually, I think it's 75% of our providers are, are women-owned businesses. So they're, the, they're, you know, thinking, creating companies based on something they're excited about, and then they're providing for their families. And so trying to reach them and give them technology and, and something that they're not afraid to use, they're excited to use, is so, it's so important to us. I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you arrived at this 
you know, this, this business, you're an entrepreneur mm-hmm. at heart. This is not your first business. You previous to this were at Rent the Runway. Uh, I understand uh, all three of the co-founders came from Rent the Runway. What was that? Did you guys like, would you meet in conference rooms and talk about your exit <laughs> strategy? Like, how did you keep it discreet, but also... Um, there was probably a level of disclosure because now even Jen Hyman, who's the CEO and co-founder of Rent the Runway, is a mentor and advisor to the startup. So clearly you had like a nice, yes. friendly, you know, exit. Totally. Yeah. So at Rent the Runway, I mean, the culture there is very much about fostering entrepreneurship. And, you know, part of the reason I think you've seen there's been multiple people that have left that have started companies. And, you know, that's, that's the spirit of what I think the leadership there tries to create. And so um, I was actually paired with my co-founder, Stephanie, um, to run one of the teams that Rent the Runway. And, you know, in doing that, we formed a really great friendship um, and a really great professional working relationship. And so that was really the genesis. Um, and actually, Steph at the time had a, has, has a daughter, you know, the, her daughter was little at the time and was struggling with finding great things for her to do during the day. And, this is kind of how the whole the whole concept started because ultimately we were solving a, a, a personal problem. Um, I think, yeah, for us, you know, it was, it was, it was of course over lunch. It was like, it, you know, conversations we would have during the day about this issue. I think we, we realized we were very excited and very passionate about education. Um, my undergrad was actually in childhood development um, with a focus in early childhood learning. And so I've always, I've always had a passion for this stuff. And so when Steph came to me with this challenge and this idea, I was like, oh, this is, I felt like this is what I was waiting for <laughs> over the years. And so to have the opportunity to bring consumer technology best practices to an industry that has been, you know, somewhat somewhat left behind in many ways from tech, um, I felt like this was an amazing, amazing chance. I always like to ask female founders about the process of raising money for their companies. Um, something interesting that developed through the fundraising <laughs> process. I just think it's because so few investment dollars goes to female founded businesses, right? So it's when I have an opportunity yeah. to ask a female founder who's raising money about how to do it, I, I take the chance. Yeah, I mean, I so I've raised uh, money for multiple companies now, and so I guess I was always thinking we would raise capital for this business because it was something I knew how to do and had done before, um, and you know, also got the opportunity to be part of the fundraising at Rent the Runway. And so, I throughout my career, it's been kind of part of my job. Um, I think for us, you know, after having experienced raising money more than once, one of the big learnings I had was how important and kind of seriously, I took the pitch. Um, We got some great advice from many, many mentors that like, you should be practicing the pitch over and over and over, you know, between 50 and 100 times before your first meeting. Um, And I think that's really, really great, great advice. Um, It's one of those things that, you know, practice truly makes perfect. Um, You want to be comfortable in what you're saying, you want to feel confident in what you're saying. And that's something you can 100% be in control of. And so having the, um, you know, dedication and, and tenacity to go into 30 plus venture capital meetings and, and, and kind of do your thing. I mean, it's going to be a lot easier if you know, and you feel rehearsed. And I would say that would be a big recommendation for me. Um, I think a funny, funny story, or as you mentioned, development throughout our fundraising process was both Steph and I 
were pregnant during our fundraising process in different times, different years, but we raised our seed and Stephanie was pregnant with her second son. And then in our series A, I was pregnant with my daughter. So we definitely, um, you know, had, had other things brewing at the time we were raising money, which presented its own, I think, unique perspective on the process. Like, did people make comments? Did you? Did no, it- and, and it, it was early in both of our pregnancies. Um, honestly, we were both very sick. And so it was one of those experiences where we both kind of felt yeah. like we had to buck up and, you know, pack a snack bag and kind of just get it done. <laughs> and it was one of those, one of those things that like Sand Hill Road, I'm like carrying my like peanut butter and jelly sandwich in my bag and going into a pitch meeting and then not feeling well, but then just like kind of, you know, getting back on the horse and, and doing it. And it was one of those, you know, things I look back on and I'm like, wow, I'm, I feel really proud about the experience. Um, it was, it was challenging to say the least, but it was, you know, it was a focused thing. And I think it, if anything, it's probably just helped me focus even more. I would love to see a profile, a series of profiles of women while pregnant doing incredible things. Like that's pretty incredible. Yeah, that would be a great. That would be a great like profile. Like Ali Wong, who does stand up comedy, yes, eight yes, months pregnant. Eight months pregnant, love um, that. Right. Or or these women, these immigrant women who are like crossing, right. co- You right. know, oceans in boats, pregnant, and totally, I think like totally, yeah, so it makes fundraising a, look silly, honestly, compared well, to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there, there'd be a spectrum. There'd be a there'd be a yes, range. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Marissa, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. I know that, you, I think you went to Harvard, right? MBA? I did. I did. I went to business school at Harvard. Yeah. So even before that, like take me back to childhood a little bit. Like where did you grow up and what was your introduction to the world of money back then? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a town outside of Boston. Um, it was a lovely suburban community um, and, you know, had two parents that worked um, and so that I would say was kind of the first, I mean, I guess it was an introduction to money. It was, it was that, you know, and actually both my parents worked for themselves. And I think that is a really important part of my story. Um, my dad owns his own company. Um, it's actually in the rail car leasing industry. And my mom is a gastroenterologist. And so I definitely grew up, you know, seeing that you could kind of control your own destiny. Um, the idea that like my parents both set their own schedules, they were both extremely hardworking, um, but felt there was a, there was a sense of flexibility I saw with career that I felt was something that was almost like given <laughs> just cause I didn't know any different. And when I finally got like my first job and had to go into an office every day, I was like, what, you know, this doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't feel right. Um, so yeah. So, and I think in terms of you know, money specifically, I mean, we as kids had an allowance, we kind of, you know, were, were kind of encouraged to think about, you know, what we wanted, and then like, how, how to actually like, get that and how to how to like, earn that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's important to have those conversations, even if they're indirect, or not so like a teachable moment, but you're just kind of through modeling, you know, instilling certain financial values uh, to your kids. Um, Our sponsor for this podcast is Chase Slate. And they did a study that found that over half of parents have had a conversation about money with their kids recently. And I'm not sure if your daughter is old enough yet, but do you anticipate, what kinds of conversations do you anticipate having with her given 
too, that, you know, raising kids in New York City, very different than maybe a suburb in Massachusetts. I'm also from the suburbs of Massachusetts. Okay, yeah. I'm kind of afraid of like the kinds of questions my son and daughter are going to come home with after going to private school in in Brooklyn with, you know, kids who have a massive wealth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, my daughter's nine months, so we, yeah, we so definitely two- haven't had that conversation yet. <laughs> so, like, but, in a few months, you know, she'll be ready, right? In a few months, right? We're hoping by Christmas. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, it's something my my husband is actually um, the general counsel of Betterment, which is a financial technology startup here in the city, um, and it's all about helping people prepare and manage their financial freedom. And so we talk about money all the time at my house and kind of the power of what money can do. And you know, I certainly feel very strongly um, as a business owner, as a woman, now as a mother, that money can 100% um, give you access to freedom. And that is ultimately why we value it so much in our house um, and gives you the power of choice. And so, you know, I really hope we can, we can kind of teach my daughter that. Um, I think thinking about prioritizing and kind of picking what you're excited about and, and trying to go after that is, is a lesson I, I hope to instill in her. Um, so whether it's she wants to do, I don't know, swim lessons or soccer camp or whatever they are, just because that's the top of mind for me, um, you know, kind of picking, picking something and then committing to it and, and kind of understanding how, you know, you don't necessarily get everything, but if there's something you're excited about and passionate about, um, the power of what money can do for you. You are a serial entrepreneur. I can say that, right? Because this is not your first business. And (laughs) I read that, you know, in the run up to starting Sawyer that you had a kind of a moment at the runway where you're like, I really want to, I want to create something again. Um, You were kind of in in management Mm -hmm. mode. You wanted to be in building mode. And so have you thought about, you know, the future as far as what's next after Sawyer for you and where you think you may be drawn to next? Oh gosh. I mean, honestly, not really. I still feel like we're, we are in building mode still so much. Um, we've got a lot to do and there's so much to, to kind of still create, which is why it's still really exciting and fun. Um, so I haven't really thought too far down the road, but you know, I, I, I do love the early stage stuff. I think it's, it's a really fun and exciting time. And, you know, just the idea of just starting, just trying something and taking one step forward and seeing how that feels and then sidestepping, stepping backwards or stepping forward again is kind of the mode of how I, how I operate best. What's been the biggest learning lesson since launching Sawyer? I mean, I think with every business, there are things you have to learn through error or mistakes. What has been something that you know, you had to work through that was complex or maybe, you know, was a very difficult learning lesson, but you're happy it happened in some ways. Yeah. I think something that um, has come up with Sawyer was that, you know, we would go after some of these very big clients and really want to help them with their business. And we would end up building features or trying to kind of create things for them that ultimately the team just wasn't ready to take on. And we would end up kind of creating a mini Frankenstein and it would just, it just wouldn't work. And the support needed to kind of continuously service the accounts, like just didn't make sense. And so we've lost a few clients because of that. Um, And so we now, when we think about taking on new clients and, and understanding the feature sets and their needs, we do a really, we try to be really rigorous about that process 
um, to not necessarily take on people we're not ready for. That can be hard in the beginning, right? Because all you want to do is say yes. Yeah. Yeah. We want to grow and, you know, they're big clients and that's like an amazing opportunity for us. But, you know, to try to, to try to do what we do best, this like concept of like no leaky buckets, right? Where like we can, we nail the thing we do and we do that really well. And we'll get to that next phase when we can take on those bigger and bigger players. But for now, like this is what we do and this is what we do. And it's, and it's, and we, we do the best at it is really what we're trying to, I think, do and achieve. And that's, that's really hard because everything looks shiny from a distance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You mentioned that you talk about money a lot in your household. Your husband works at Betterment, which, by the way, we've had on the founder and CEO of Betterment on this podcast. So we're fans. We're big fans of Betterment. What is a habit that you and your husband practice when it comes to your money? Maybe it's like weekly conversations or check-ins or if there's an app that you use or if there is like a rule of thumb that the two of you have to kind of keep, keep things running smoothly. Yeah. I mean, we, we obviously use Betterment as an app. We both love it. We have like joint account and we share, you know, that, um, I would say, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about it probably informally, maybe weekly. Um, we are, you know, I, I, I think we more formally, I talk about things, um, either at like big life events, like when we had our daughter, um, and then, of course, like around tax season, <laughs> I don't know why that is, but kind of come like late March, early April, we kind of sit down together and like look out over the year and kind of say, what are the things we want to achieve? What are the what are the things we want to plan for? And then like, where does the rest go? And that's kind of how we we think about, I would say, our budget and our year. Um, and then, yeah, we check in like as things change or, you know, if when I left um, around the runway to start Sawyer, or like new job, obviously like that changes things. And so how do you, how do you react um, to things that come up while also having like a more longer term steady plan? Speaking of rent the runway and leaving, how do you know when it's time to leave, when you can leave to launch a business from a, from a nine to five? A lot of our listeners are contemplating yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's something where, you know, the money has to, you have to really sit down and like look at your finances. Um, I think, so for us, we had started talking about raising money right away. And so we knew that we would have a salary to draw from. Um, and so that was something that like I needed to feel that it, that was an option for us because I wanted to make sure that myself and the people that worked for us were going to be able to get paid. Um, and so having kind of a plan and, and with my first company, um, I left my job before I was able to raise money and I, but I gave myself six months. I kind of had financially like a plan to say, okay, here's, here's how long it's going to last. Um, and here's what I got to do. And honestly, like some, sometimes it's great to give yourself, um, kind of an end, an end date because then you, you know what you need to get done before that time. And you don't end up just like twiddling your thumbs for months on end. I was just saying to a friend that, you know, even as far as giving yourself a deadline to get things done, if, and if it's just, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes to write yeah. an article, you know, like yeah. it's a deadline. Yeah. yeah. There's something about the deadline that just gets you to finish and maybe oh, it's not 100%. perfect. Nothing, nothing right. But exactly. And I think that's another thing, you know, entrepreneurs, like I think part of why I really love doing what we do is that you don't have to be perfect and you just have to kind of give it a try and then be willing to iterate. And I think that's, you know, so core to being able to be successful in the early days is because 
you know, it's, it's not perfection is, is not necessarily a real thing. And so just being willing and open and listening and adopting what customers are saying to you. I mean, that is ultimately how you find ways to win. Well, Thank you so much for coming on the show, Marissa. I want to direct everybody to highsawyer.com. I'm telling you, if you have children and you're at a loss for what to do with them on a free day or you want to enroll them in something really fun and exciting and also support small business. Like we said, the, a lot of these businesses are run by mom and pops. They're the true entrepreneurs of this country and they're, I mean... How amazing is it that they're offering these like astronaut camp? I'm on your site right now. Astronaut camp, really? <laughs> like cook-offs, sword fights, puppet shows, swim lessons, science experiments, dance recitals. The list goes on and you can search by your zip code and you're like, you're you're in. You just have to like log on and sign up and it's all digital and it's great. Marissa, thank you so much. Really, really thank awesome. Thank you to guys so much. A pleasure. You can learn more about Sawyer by checking out HiSawyer.com, named after Tom Sawyer. Follow the company on Twitter at Sawyer and Instagram at Hello Sawyer. If you missed any of this information, don't worry. You can always go to SoMoneyPodcast.com and get the transcript, the audio. You can also click on Ask Farnoosh, right? And send me your question for the Friday episodes. And let me know if you want to co-host. Always, always, always follow me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. There you can ask me questions on the go and I usually answer within 24 hours. It's pretty handy. Thanks for tuning in everyone and I hope your day is so money. <laughs>